Hey, it's Jamie Sumner, left guard from 1994-95, and this is the Bunch of Nuts podcast with my boys Dan and Cass. Go Bucks! Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Bunch of Nuts podcast. This is Dan here with Cass, and we have special guest Blake. He is doing his annual college football preview. We had him on last year. We have him on quite some, a, a lot, but I mean, this is this is his time to shine. He's our Phil Steele. Blake, great to have you on the show, my man. Yeah, guys, excited to be here. Thank you for having me, and let's get the exclusive reveal here. Oh yeah, man. I mean, oh man, yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> but, but before we get into that, big cast on to really talk about this. Big Ten media day is approaching. It is the start of the college football season officially, you know, in a lot of people's eyes. Ohio State has three guys going, Marvin Harrison Jr., Cade Stover, and JTT. Uh, Cass, I mean, I know you want to talk about this, but what are your thoughts, my guy? Who better three to, to represent Ohio State than JTT, Cade uh, uh, Stover, and uh, Marvin Harrison Jr.? Uh, by far, probably will be the three of the six captains this year. Um, Cade Stover, quietly, a you're going to look back in 10 years and be like, oh, wow, Cade Stover, a two-time captain at Ohio State. That's remarkable. Um, JTT, obviously, he's in for a monster this year. And then, of course, the best player in the country, Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, but currently right now, SEC media days are going on. Very quiet this year compared to last year. I'm waiting for somebody to pop off in the SEC and piss Nick Saban off. I'm, you know, that that'd be great. And then um, last week, Big 12 Media Days was really weird because it's the last one with Texas and Oklahoma, and there's four new members that when they did the video of the helmets, I had to look, do a double take because I forgot UCF, Cincinnati, BYU, and Houston were joining the Big 12 this year. So it's very, very weird to see the Big 12 with those four teams, knowing that Oklahoma and Texas are leaving. And Brent Venables throwing shade at Miami, which is funny. That's for another conversation. That could be later when we discuss Blake's article. But Is it weird? It, like, for me, with the Big 12 cast, like, it's weird because I've already – I mentally put UCF and UC in them in the Big 12 because they're such outliers. I have no – but it's with Houston and BYU, the two teams that, like, should have been in the Big 12 for years. It's odd seeing them in it, and I, I don't know if I'm the only one. I mean, it is odd to see them because how many times when you're playing NCAA football 2014 and you're, and you're building up these conferences, how many times do you guys put BYU and – Houston in the Big 12 to balance the power, right? I mean, it, I, I did it numerous times. I'm sure, you know, all you guys did. And it, 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 I think it is weird to see Cincinnati because now they're in a power five with the Buckeyes. And it's going to be interesting where they're going to re, uh, group up once Oklahoma and Texas leave the Big 12. That's, that's, that's the big question. That's the big question for Cincinnati. It's good for West Virginia though, because geographically that makes sense. Finally, like there's finally. they kind of bridge the the void of nothingness. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But again, nobody's. It's SEC media days. It's kind of quiet, isn't it? Well, didn't Brian Kelly say something stupid, or or is that just me? I'm pretty sure he well, said something stupid oh. today. Uh, Kirby Smart said something today because they asked him about what he, he thought. He can talk, though. That's fine. 
Kirby Smart came out and said today that, well, you come play the schedule. Because people are talking about how weak Georgia's schedule is. And he came out and said, you come play the schedule. And it's funny because – Gladly. Look, <laughs> yeah, Ryan yeah. David, gladly uh, go take that schedule over this <laughs> we'll one. Take one that. game season against Tennessee, I'll sign me yeah. up. And, it, and talk about schedules. Our boy, big game boomer, who lately – who started off good last year, but lately has really made some head-scratching tweets. And the hate is real on the Ohio State Buckeyes. First off, his tweet out said, what would be Ohio State's record? And there's a few comments like some Kansas State TCU fans saying, with that schedule, they be, should be 12-0, but I see 9-3. and But the comment of the day, Dan, this Alabama fan, you could tell he's from the deep south of Alabama. Well, let's turn on Grammarly before Dan reads this. I don't even want that. You can't. You, you can't. Grammarly won't save this post. All right. Big game boomer, you know, puts in the, out the tweet. Ohio State's record in 2023 will be. And as you said, Cass kind of did all the typical fan responses. But Horace, and his name is at large elephants. And he spelled elephant like L-E-Y. P-H-A-N-T-S. So, like, you've spelled elephants wrong. This is So that's how you know this is going to be a doozy. But he, this is what he wrote. He said, got lost at 11 times because knew they ain't not us none. And like always, they was drape pushers. That got a ended and toured off the wide way and the sauces. Hashtag Roll Tide. Um, the only thing I got about that tweet was just Roll Tide, baby. And all I could think of is, was our tweet back was the confused look at players from Farmer Fran saying, remember when Bobby Boucher, you know, and that's all I remember. Um, also, I think big- he's saying, remember when Bobby Boucher followed the veer on the quarterback drive? I'm pretty sure, like, I interpreted that. <laughs> I think that's what he said. It, like, but that's that's a whole nother I, – I think I know what he's saying in that on the, in that clip, by the way. But in the – and yeah, the, yeah, and the two other posts that Big Game Boomer has really said, and you could tell he's he one he he showed a picture, a selfie of himself flexing in a Michigan Wolverines throwback shirt, um, mm-hmm. which is a bad. Does the, the shirt look like a bad Walmart version of homage, and of homage brand? And then he comes out and says. Is Ryan Day afraid of Jim Harbaugh and is Ohio? And then he made a post of every who is afraid of who, what every team is afraid, who they're afraid to play. Interesting, he said Michigan was afraid to play Nebraska. Ohio State is afraid to play Michigan. So, Blake and Dan, you could dissect these tweets. Is Ryan Day afraid of Harbaugh? Because I don't think he is. And is Ohio State afraid to play Michigan? You ever watch The Dark Knight Rises, Cass and Blake? Oh, yeah. You've seen – all right. You know when Batman's in the pit and, like, he has, like, his back broken and he sees, like, Gotham's burning and they're like, you're scared. And he's like, I'm not scared. I'm angry. Like, that's what Ohio State is right now. We're not scared to face Michigan. We're pissed off that we've lost in the past couple years. And there might be a little bit of fear, but we're going to take the rope off and we're going to d- jump out of the pit. Like, that's it's, it's that simple. Yeah, Dan, I think you're exactly right. And one of the underlying foundations of this rivalry, too, is respect. And I think now Ohio State respects Michigan more than they ever have because of the last two seasons and how they've been able to beat them. 
And, you know, that really hasn't happened much this century. So now that game becomes more real and Ohio State has to get back in the win column. So I agree. This is more out of anger and frustration that the Buckeyes want to play Michigan. Now it's going to be tough going to Ann Arbor this year, but they want that game. They're hungry for it, and they're certainly not going to back down from that because there's plenty of talent in Columbus. Absolutely. And I, th- and I think no better way to get back at the University of Michigan and that team up north is to beat their best team since 1997, in my yeah. opinion, on the road, in the big house, <clears throat> with a quarterback who everybody's – because it's J.J. McCarthy versus Kyle McCord, unless somehow uh, somehow um, Devin Brown wins it. But everybody's looking at that recruiting class. Kyle McCord and J.J. McCarthy were recruited together. If Kyle McCord ends up winning a starting job, which I think he will, um, goes into Ann Arbor and beats J.J. McCarthy in the University of Michigan, I think Kyle McCord will surpass, almost surpass, he might surpass Justin Fields. It, and 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 that uh, uh, almost. Uh, I said almost. Uh, I said uh, he's no, gonna no. play for two years. No, 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 listen, listen. I said listen. If he goes up in Ann Arbor, beats number. I think what could be number one ranked Michigan on the road, and we go undefeated. I could see a scenario where, depending what the playoffs look like, Kyle McCord could surpass Justin Field and Buckeye royalty. Uh I don't. I don't think that's ever going to happen. At least in my my book, man. I lo- I love QB one. Like I can't. I can't ever. Uh, Kyle McCord will need to do at least that at least twice, in my my humble opinion. But also, um, if you, Zach, menace, menace to sports, Zach Smith and Chris Drew. Like if you listen to one of their episodes last week, Devin Brown might be the next coming of Joe Burrow, Pat Mahomes, Cam Newton, Tom Brady, and Christ. Like the way they described and went into detail. And I, I like after listening to them and like credit to them because they're calling this, but like that quarterback battle is not done. And what they said yesterday in their in their episode was that whoever wins this job, it you're going to get a dude. You're going to get a dude, and that's where I believe. Mm-hmm. What I meant was I'm not. What I meant with Justin Fields is is it was as a player. No, he's not going to surpass Justin Fields. But if he, like I said, when it comes to royalty, and he goes on to beat Michigan, goes on to win a national championship, Justin Fields didn't win a national championship. Oh yeah, if you if he wins a national championship, national if it's championship. just beating if it's just beating Michigan now, like you know Justin Fields did that, and then he beat Clemson. And <laughs> well, that's what I say. God in that game, because you would have Kyle McCord would have to also go beat Georgia for the national championship. So. Mm. He get, he knocks both of those off this year. I guarantee it. Those those stockpile will be rising faster than what Cardell Jones did in 2014. I will say this: if Kyle McCord or Brown, whichever one of them wins the starting job and goes into Ann Arbor and beats Michigan, it will be the biggest win over Michigan since 2016. I know the the win in 2018 was big in Urban's last year, hanging 62 points and canceling the revenge tour. 2019 was huge in Ryan Day's first year. I get it. But that would be the biggest win since 2016 for the Buckeyes and by any quarterback, really. I mean, you know, the JT Barrett victories that he had and everything. That would be probably the biggest win, you know, in no, recent memory. I, and that would cement Kyle McCord, no matter what else he does, in good standing with Buckeye Nation, regardless to your point, Cass. 
I agree, but I mean, I do feel like, you know, when you look back at all the wins against Michigan in this de- decade, 2016 was probably the biggest one. I would probably say 2013, the I'd overtime say t- one. I'd say 2012 surpasses 13, just because that's Irving's yeah, first yeah. year. We should have probably played for a national championship. Yeah, yeah, we should probably played for a national championship. 14 was big, too, because JT went down. In 2013, we should have played for a national championship, but we didn't beat Sparty. But it, we're splitting hairs. I yeah. agree to disagree. I, it doesn't matter to me. But yeah, but I don't like. I don't think Ryan Day is afraid of uh, Harbaugh. I, but like I told Dan a couple weeks ago, when Big Game Boomer made another outrageous diss against the Buckeyes, he really knows how to get Buckeye fans and get clicks he really does and he's doing it perfectly (laughs) he's doing it perfectly kudos because if you go if you go through the readings (laughs) if you go through those tweets and retweets adam he he know he knows what he's doing and even dan knows how to piss buckeye fans off too and we're buckeye fans together so it doesn't matter don't look, look, we're not look like on well, Saturday, Cadence, man. Don't don't post a trendy meme because you might you might <laughs> people might think you're stealing their post from five days ago because you like well, I don't even want to get into it, but like uh, the narcissism to think to think that I was staring at your profile waiting for you to tweet, and I waited <laughs> five days to post a meme <laughs> that's similar. It's insane, but whatever. It, it is, is what it is. is. But we got to talk about this great article that that he does every single year. Yeah. Blake, let's, the reason why let's talk about Blake. The, the reason why Blake is on this show is because he is the Phil Steele of the Silver Bulletin. Phil Steele does wonderful. Got a magazine. We hope that Blake Biscardi has a three hundred page magazine someday because I would totally oh. buy that at <laughs> Barnes and Nobles over Phil Steele's any day. But take it away, Blake, with this beautiful article. That kicks off yeah. college football. Absolutely. It's one of my favorite pieces to do every year, and I'm excited to bring the exclusive reveal to it to the Bunch of Nuts podcast. We'll have an, The article will be published later this week, aiming for Thursday. So right now, guys, you're getting this content exclusively if you guys are listening. We can start with the top 25. Let's just unpack my top five, and then you know we can ask questions to get into some debate. I've got Georgia 1, Michigan 2, Ohio State 3, Alabama four and Penn state five. Now I came to this when I'm looking at the preseason and where I think these teams are going to go. The ACC race is interesting with Florida state and Clemson. USC is very interesting in the Pac-12 because of how deep the conference is. Texas is another popular team, but this top five, those are the five teams I trust the most in the country right now, based on their infrastructure, the players they have coming back, um, the expectations for the new starting quarterbacks for four of the five of those teams. So they're the five teams I trust the most and why I have them one through five. What are you guys' thoughts there? What's interesting the most, if you're, I'm looking down the top 10 right now, Clemson, yep. Clemson, um, Notre Dame, Penn State, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, six of the top 10 teams are all starting new quarterbacks. I can't remember a year where I've seen that many teams in the top 10 starting with brand-new quarterbacks. Now, Notre Dame has a guy that's been there before, played for Wake Forest. He's a stud. Uh, Go be really good. 
Penn State has had a guy in the waiting, Drew Aller, who probably should have started last year. He's an upgrade. <laughs> I think. Mm-hmm. He, but we still unknown. He hasn't really played real time of college football. Kyle McCord, uh, Kyle McCord, Devin Brown, like we discussed earlier, and then Alabama with the kid Buckner from uh, Alabama. Oh, it's who, Milrow. Or Milrow. They're going to have a quarterback battle, Alabama. You're not going to know gonna until they Milrow, get on the field. It's going to be Milrow, though, I think. Milrow can do Buck- things. But I've been hearing Buckner because I put, I just put money on Milrow to win well, the Heisman today. Well, <laughs> oh, no. well, Buckner played for Tommy Reese. That's why I have Tom Buckner as the the lead guy at Alabama, and then of course Georgia. For continuity, yeah, yeah, and then of course Georgia has their quarterback. They got a little quarterback battle, but we all suspect it's going to be the guy that they think it is. Yeah, Carson Beck. Carson Beck, so, and then you got Klubnik for Clemson, Jordan Travis at Florida State, and then the kid from LSU. So, I mean, my, my biggest thing was just with Blake, because you have Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State top three, uh, top, like your three, three, uh, three out of top five. Yeah. Why with Penn State, um, you put them 10 and two. Uh, if they're that good of a team, why are we just kind of assuming that they're going to lose both to Ohio State and Michigan, I guess is my question. Because this feels like one of the best Penn State teams, like, in a while. Like, prob- probably since the Saquon Barkley team. And you- this team might be more deep, honestly. This team might be more w- well-rounded than that team. Um, why are we just going to assume that, you know, Ohio State and Michigan are going to – because they could they can beat Michigan, let's say. And that kind of throws everything for a loop. Um, do, you- do you think that maybe they do split one, or do you think they're going to get caught in a trap game somewhere? All right, I'll give you the short answer, and then I'll explain this in a longer answer where we get into uh-huh. all the other sub-questions you said. My short answer is two words, James Franklin. In a, <laughs> in a big game, Penn State shrinks in the fourth quarter, and Ohio State and Michigan are going to be good enough this year to go for full 60 minutes. No matter who they play, the other team is going to have to bring it for the full 60, if not more. Mm-hmm. The Penn State defense, though, it's going to be exceptional. And Penn State is the wild card to the entire college football season, I think, because all three of these teams are in the exact same division, and they could easily all split the round robin and finish one and one against each other. If that happens, then you're going to have the winner of the Ohio State and Michigan game and Penn State go to the college football playoff as one-loss teams because their resumes are just going to be so good. So yeah, I mean, That's kind of a nightmare scenario for it, the community, it is. too. Because right. it, let's say – like you, we're gonna have we're gonna have to be rooting for like USC to probably drop a two and stuff again. Like that's just gonna that's gonna get crazy. But I agree there. Yeah. What here's we'll the thing. The USC too. Go ahead, Cass. Yeah, and here's the thing. We had this discussion when Dan was out on his honeymoon. We Blake and I had this yeah, discussion. We did. Where the scenario was, Ohio State beats Michigan at Michigan. Mm-hmm. Yep. Penn State beats Ohio State at Ohio State. Michigan beats Penn State at Penn State. All with close lot seven to three point losses, one score losses, and we did we did say that Ohio State would get in and Penn State would get in over Michigan just because of strength of schedule. Because you know we got to look at strength of schedule. Michigan doesn't play a pul- anybody with a pulse until it. Right now on paper, Michigan doesn't play anybody with a pulse until Penn State. But a lot of people are also saying 
Nebraska could be very pretty good this year. So that's a team to really watch out for. But if you really look at Michigan's schedule, it's Penn State and it's Penn State and Ohio. It's Ohio State. Yeah. Yeah. And- I- Dan, you mentioned USC. Let's come back to them in a minute. Let's stay on the big yeah. team here. Is this is this fair to say as an assessment of these three teams? I was talking with my friend about this today. Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan. So if you look at their units, the best offensive side of the ball is Ohio State. I think the best defense is Penn State. Yeah. So Ohio State would go one and three for offense and defense. Penn State would go three and one for offense and defense. Michigan's two and two. I think they have the second best offense and the second best defense. Not that one's good or bad. But I just think Michigan's the most complete and well-rounded of the three teams. I think Ohio State's offense is, is better than any of the other two offenses. It'll probably be one of the best in the country. Kyle McCord or Devin Brown, whoever wins. The weapons they'll have at their arsenal, they're just going to have to be a game manager and play well. They'll be able to grow into that role very easily because of the. they'll become a product of those around them on top of their already high skill set. And then Penn State's defense, I think, is just going to be lights out. And that chess match when they play Ohio State with Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Igbuka, Julian Fleming, Xavier Johnson, if they throw one of the freshmen in there with Penn State's secondary, is going to be super interesting to watch on the field because of how locked down that back end of the defense is for the Nittany Lions with well, uh, many Chop Diaz. Robinson, too, on the edge. Yeah. He's supposed to be like a – he might be like a top 10 and, pick, they're and, saying. And yeah. the, thing, the thing that – gives Ohio State the advantage is Ryan Day's play calling in those big games because right. he look at the top defenses he's really – since he's been head coach, he put up 62 against number one Michigan's defense. He put up 41 against Georgia last year. He he put up uh, – he put up against Clemson's defense in 2020. Uh, 20, 20, 20, I keep forgetting. And then, again, like I was discussing this with my buddy, I was like – even in those Michigan losses and the Clemson loss in 2019, the offense still put up 25 or more points, especially in the Big Ten. You are supposed to win games when you score 27 or more points, and that's that's been the issue. It, the offense is going to score against great defense. When it comes to Michigan and Penn State, and that separates themselves for, on offense, is who are their receivers? You, yes. they don't. Neither team has that big-time threat receiver to compete against the Buckeyes because I think, in my opinion, Ohio State has the best defensive defensive front seven in the country. And I know a lot of people are saying you know, they're not ranked that high, but that's just my opinion of what I see as a Buckeye fan. And, you know, there's a lot of opinions, but I believe Ohio State has the best front seven. And this is year two in Jim Knowles' defense. This defense – a lot of people don't have high. A lot of people outside of Buckeye Nation is not having high expectations for this defense, and I think that works in Jim Knowles and Ryan Day's favor this year. Yeah, for Speaking Ohio of- State, the offense is going to be very good, and it's going to score like you said, Cass. They've gotten burned by giving up in the running game pretty much. They're yeah. getting getting gashed now. They've given up big plays in the past game. I think they're going to fix that because the back end of the defense is better with the transfers. Ohio State just can't give up those 200 yards, 250 yards, 300 yards on the ground. They can't give up those big chunk plays in the ground game, and that's how they can beat, you know, a a Michigan or a Penn State with just the offense scoring 27 to 30 points. Speaking of defense, USC returned 17 starters, uh, Blake. 
Yes. Do you think the defense improves? Because they're kind of in the they were like I would say they were Ohio State light, if that makes sense. They were like the the poor man's Ohio State, except they got the Heisman Trophy winner, but they didn't they didn't make the playoff, lost more games. Uh I thought their defense is much worse than ours, but do you think that improves and puts them in contention at all? USC last year was the 2021 version of Ohio State. This year, uh, I yeah, think they'll be the 2022 on. version. I think the offense will still be elite because of Caleb Williams. I think the defense will be better. I don't think the defense will be good enough to get them to the playoff. It's such because you saw how good of an improvement Ohio State's defense made between 2021, even from 2020 to 2022 and 21 to 22. But that wasn't enough. When you compete with these big boy schools like your Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, even Penn State with that running game, when you saw when USC played Utah last year, when they play in those physical matchups, Notre Dame's on their schedule. That's really tough sledding when your defense isn't as strong as the other team because your offense is going to score points. But what if your offense gets shut down? Can you rely on the defense to win the game? Until USC wins a game on the backs of their defense, that's when I'll start to believe USC can get to the playoff. I think USC is going to be very good this year. I don't think they're going to be overcome their def- their defensive weaknesses because I think they'll kind of look like Ohio State did last year. High-flying offense and a good defense, but not good enough. I like it. Makes sense. Um, and then I have another question because you have LSU ranked seven. Um, yes. So I'm assuming you, there you're like your your, your third uh, SEC team, like because there's usually a, like they are like your Penn State of the SEC. Yep. Um, if it's not LSU, what other team could you see hopping in there? Because I mean, I noticed you have you had Ole Miss just at 25. I th- I think that's extremely low. I know I met, we were talking about that before the show. Um, because I think. Because they got the UTSA transfer at wide receiver, thousand yard receiver, senior Jackson Dar is a pretty solid quarterback, and they have like a Heisman caliber running back. Um, so I think they have a pretty good trio going there, and they obviously they have Mastermind Lane Kiffin. Um, I mean, could you see them almost if LSU regresses? Could you see it being Ole Miss out of the West, or is is that too premature? It might be a little premature. I could see Ole Miss pulling an upset. I couldn't see them contending for the actual West Division title. I think Texas A&M in the West might be the other team if it's not Alabama or LSU. I do think it is Alabama. But A&M, it just feels like they have to do something this year or else you really have to kind of blow it all up with Jimbo Fisher and the recruiting classes that they brought in because there's so much talent there. So looking at all things considered there, I think Texas A&M will be the other team out of the West. But in terms of just the SEC as a whole, I think maybe Tennessee, if they could find a way to to nab Georgia, maybe they can sneak out of the East. I don't really see that being likely because Tennessee does have to play um, Texas A&M. They have to go to Tuscaloosa to play Alabama, and they have to play Georgia. So I think it's tough sledding for Tennessee after all they've lost last year too. So I'm, I trust Alabama and Georgia the most. Then I trust LSU, and it's kind of Texas A&M and Tennessee, and then Ole Miss. See, I, I still trust Tennessee. It's not. It's not like I know. I know the Joe Milton joke and everything, but like the way Heupel structures his offense, it's it's a lot about like throwing outside the hashes and like lining up really wide splits. Yeah. And 
like Henry Hooker was a great leader, great quarterback. Like Joe Milton fits that system way better from like an like from what Heupel's trying to do. Um, I don't know. I, I I do. I still I'm still a believer in Tennessee too. I don't know if I'm for some reason like everyone's saying LSU should be good, and I I, I see it too. But I don't know if I'm sold on them. I'm more sold on like Ole Miss and Tennessee, believe it or not, than LSU. And yeah. that's just my opinion. I I don't have really a sound reasoning behind it other than just I, it it's just it's just the eye test. I don't know. The the only thing I could think of real quick is week one is gonna be monstrous in Orlando. Florida State, LSU, Absolutely. right off the get right at the get go. The only thing is is you could also look like look at if Florida State loses, then people are gonna sit there and say, Oh, they're just overhyped. Like they were overhyped. Um, I think Florida State's going to go in and win and beat LSU um, just because I'm really high on Florida State this year. But project, if Florida State beats LSU, you're not going to get that same, that, same th- uh, that same thunder about LSU. You're going to get, oh, Florida State's just that really good. Like that's – and not, oh, LSU's over. I think, I think LSU out of the top – you're looking at the top ten – LSU and Notre Dame are the only two teams in the top 10 that I don't think are going to be in the top 10 at the end of the year. That's just my opinion. Well, like Blake, Blake mentioned with Penn state, but that Florida state LSU game, that's kind of like a wild card game. Like that, that, that really is, that has a big bearing on how the season's going to play out, believe it or not. Definitely. Yeah. And then even with going back to Tennessee real quick with Joe Milton's arm, he can make any throw in the playbook. I just think Tennessee's schedule is just too difficult for them to actually come out of the East. I mean, I I like Tennessee. I like what they're going to have on paper. It is I just a think tough it's gonna be, I just think it's going to be too tough. That's really the the big thing with Tennessee for me because I do how, like them. How do you, I didn't see this in the top tw- twenty five, but maybe we could go down a little bit. But what is what is your opinion on South Carolina as well? Like, um, a lot of people think they're going to have a strong year because they are a veteran team. Um, but could they – if they – is it just like LSU? Is it up to that first game against North Carolina? And how would this – like how would the SEC feel that if North Carolina and Florida State can knock off two SEC teams right off the bat? I think that would make the strength of schedule dynamic really interesting if both of those SEC teams lose that first week to ACC teams. I think having Spencer Rattler is going to be huge again. He should take a step forward and probably be what he was hyped up to be coming out of high school. We'll finally get to see that version of him. I just don't know if it's going to be enough in South Carolina to actually make noise where they pull upsets. I think they'll they'll give Georgia a good run. Like They'll be in contention in games, and they'll bring games to the fourth quarter. I just don't know if they're going to be able to get over the hump because of the talent differential that they have versus that It'll those prob- upper echelon teams. It'll probably be like the Missouri game. Like I can see it yeah. being like, you know, like yes. South Carolina, like going up on Georgia, like like seventeen nothing, and then Georgia will just go into Georgia mode and just play smart, good football, and will get their back, get get back into it and ultimately win in a close one. I can see that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So this is a good segue. Just because we're poor, we don't pay for Zoom. We're gonna take a quick break here. Come back and discuss more of Blake's top 25. This is a rarity on a bunch of nuts podcasts because we are getting closer to the 2023 season. So quick break. And now to our sponsors. 
Our sponsor, Cast Cuts. Go to Cast Cuts in Lancaster, Ohio. He he has great premium haircuts. Uh, it's a barber. Um, my you know brother does a great job. Char- I pay twenty dollars for a ha- haircut and a beard trim. Just go see Cast Cuts at castcuts.com. Find him on Facebook. He's a proud sponsor of the Bunch of Nuts podcast, and we thank you, Billy, for you know obviously doing what you're doing with my hair, making it look good because I am thinning. But he'll get you all shaped up for a good premium price. Yep. Shout out Cast Cut. Shout out Billy. He's doing a great job. But back to football, uh, Blake. I know. I know you have him. You know, not about mid tier. But what what is Wisconsin's ceiling? I want to get at because. Uh, is is do you see a possibility that they could somehow just miraculously, you know, get into the Big Ten title game and just win it? Okay, Wisconsin with Luke Fickle and Phil Longo is going to be a really great case study for the year. I love Luke Fickle at Wisconsin. I think that's great. And they have Braylon Allen in the backfield. I think Wisconsin wins the West, and I think they get to the Big Ten championship game. You could have that fatigue hangover factor from whoever comes out of the East for the gruesome schedule they just played, likely Ohio State or Michigan, because just coming off that last game. So I could see a world where that happens. I don't think it's likely. But let's just say it's Ohio State that wins the East and goes to play Wisconsin. That would be a rematch, and that would be another physical game in a row. And Ohio State's schedule doesn't do it any favors, and the bye week or the open date is at the end of September. So Ohio State's playing back. It's weekly football from October all the way through November. So they're going to want that that week's break, and they're going to have to go through a really tough Wisconsin team. So I think Wisconsin's going to be tough. It's actually one of the games I would be nervous about as a Buckeye fan because it's following Penn State during the regular season. So I think Wisconsin's a team to keep your eye hey, on this year. Hey, don't how, say that to me. Don't don't say that to me. How funny would it be if, like, Penn State does their thing, like causes chaos, you know, splits one and one. Somehow it all works itself out, and Penn State goes to the Big Ten championship, and then they lose to Wisconsin because James Franklin doesn't know how to, you know, coach in big situations. And then Ohio State and Michigan like back into the playoff because of it. I, that would be <laughs> that would be the funniest. See, thing see, I'm in Pennsylvania, and that would make me so happy if that is what I had to endure. I and then you know, and then we end up in the playoff anyway. That would be tremendous theater. I so I go see I go see my best friend in two weeks. My best friend is a diehard Penn State fan. I'm gonna. <laughs> what would they do if that happened? That's what I want to ask. I want to ask them. I really do now. Go, oh, we got the Eagles or we got the Steelers. Who cares about college football? <laughs> like it's like Penn State's having a season. They whop. You know, they beat Michigan. They lose to us, but like somehow we don't go do like, the ranking or something. Because we lose yeah. to Michigan like the last week, yeah, or something. Yeah, the highest ranked us. team would go. Yeah, but they're like, well, let's say we lose to Michigan or something, but we beat Penn State and like we drop in the ranking to like five. Would they but, like, have? They beat Michigan, and then you know Penn State's like number two. Let's say media's like we love them, and then just Luke Fickle comes to town. Not today, James Franklin. That right. would be poetic. What would okay in that scenario? What? Would Penn State have to win that game by a couple of touchdowns? Because even if you look at that, I still don't think it's say if we beat if we beat Penn State and they beat Michigan and we beat and we lose to Michigan, it's going to come to how badly did they beat Michigan? I think 
But I also think that's the only scenario they the way they get in overall. But it's Ohio in Happy State Valley this year though, so they could whop them. That's what I'm saying. Like that could be a factor. That's the only scenario I see them getting over us because there's no way if we if we run we would have to I think in order for that to happen we would have to lose to Notre Dame and lose to Michigan and we would be heading to let's say the Orange Bowl and I, I'm not I'm not gonna get too granular yeah. with it man I'm just yeah. I'm just throwing out a situation I do want I, I do I do want to ask my buddy that and Dan you know Aaron. He's more of a – he's like us. He's a Penn State guy, number one, uh-huh. before the Eagles and Phillies. So I do want to ask about it. Let's, we've talked about the Big Ten a lot, and we've talked about the SEC and the ACC. I'm looking through your list here, and you have Washington. You have USC. Mm-hmm. You have UCLA. You have Utah, all in your top 25. And that's quite a bit compared to the ACC. Oregon State. And you got Oregon State and Oregon. That's the most out of any conference, I believe, in your top twenty-five. What what thinks you? What has your light bulb in your head thinking that's a deep conference? And I still I agree with you. None of these teams get in the college football playoff. I look at the quarterback play. I think that's really my indicator. Let's start with USC at six. Caleb Williams, reigning Heisman Trophy winner, speaks for itself. Go down the list. Number twelve, Washington. Michael Penix Jr. Bo Nix at Oregon for 14. DJU transferred from Clemson to Oregon State at 15. Cameron Rising is back for his Sean Clifford season at Utah. They're ranked 17th. And then you get down to UCLA. They're the one with the quarterback battle, and they're ranked 21st. I I like the depth in the Pac-12 based on the quarterbacks. And when we were talking about USC's defense earlier, I think Washington's defense is really good. I think Oregon State's defense is really good. Those teams would give USC fits in those matchups, and USC also has to play Notre Dame. So USC's margin for error is not that big. And then you have a team, all those teams have great quarterbacks, or at least B-plus quarterbacks. So USC lets their guard down for a game. I think that keeps them out of the college football playoff. I don't think USC plays for the Pac-12 championship game. And that's my hot take of the... That's my hot take for the oh, and, for the twenty three season. Who do you have? So who do you have going from the Pac twelve? Then is my question. Give me Washington. I love Washington. Ooh. I I see. I, I, their schedule's I, tough, but I like I, Michael Penix in Washington. I'm drinking dude, that. Kool-Aid. I I gotta disagree because like I Go think I and I'm I'm glad we brought this up because I am like I think Washington are frauds. They have like they they talk about you know. They have the two two uh, top five receivers in college football, and like I've watched their games. No way are those two guys top five, in my opinion. Like I think Michael Penix is amazing. I think he might be the best quarterback outside of Caleb Williams. And he, honestly, I think you can make the argument for him. I think he might be the best quarterback in the draft next year if you watch some of his throws. Dude has a cannon. He's accurate. He's a great player. This is not like I, I have no problem Michael Penix. He's a stud. Absolutely like Heisman candidate, but I just think he he he's so good. He like he he kind of willed them to ten and two last year, and their schedule is tough. Like they they play Utah, USC, um, Oregon, Oregon State, and, 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 and do they play Notre Dame? I know they no, play Washington, Washington State. Washington doesn't play Notre Dame. Oh no 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 Washington. No, yeah yeah. I thought you were talking Michigan about USC. State. I'm sorry. 
No, they played Michigan State, and like Michigan State isn't afraid. Like that's the one team I feel like that isn't really afraid of Michael Penix because like they've it's seen in East the Lansing too. Yeah, so it's like I just think they're due. Like it's I think they're a little overhyped because they went ten and two, and I think they're due for some regression. But Michael Penix is a stud, and like I'm not taking anyway, well, anything away from him, but I think he made everyone around him so much better last year, and I, that's just I. And I'll I'll let you have the floor, Blake, to counter that. I before he counters that I. Uh, I hope that East. I don't think it is, but I wish that Mich- Washington at Michigan State was a Friday night game. I love coming off. I love unhooking all my equipment from a Friday, early September Friday night game, uh, Friday night football game, turning it on, and Michigan State somehow playing a game in there. And it's a close game. Uh, a couple years ago, Kenneth Walker scored four touchdowns against Northwestern. Like, I, for some reason, it just hits right when Michigan State plays an early September game on Friday night. Mm-hmm. No, that's definitely fair. Dan, let me ask you this before I talk. Are you when you're looking at Washington's receivers, are you saying these are not two of the top five guys and you're looking at Ohio State's wide receiver room? Or are you comparing yes. these receivers to the Pac twelve teams that they're going to play? I have not yeah, I'm comparing them to Ohio State guys and just like other receivers around the country. Um I think US well, I think USC has better receivers too. Even without Addison, I think USC has some stud receivers. So it's just like I just don't – I think, like, if – because, look, look look what Penix did with Indiana. Was it, like, Fry – was it Fry Fogel and Wap Fillier or whatever? Yeah. He, those guys are, like – they're not even in the NFL. And, like, when, he, when they were playing with Penix, we were like, wow, these guys might be, like, th- third-round picks. And, like, both of, them went on, both of them went undrafted. I think he just makes his guys look really good. Like, you could, you could put um, – I don't even know. I'm trying to think of like an analogy here. Just give me a, a like a really average college wide receiver and like give him Michael Penix and that guy will probably have 800 yards and like seven touchdowns at least. It's like Julian Edelman with Tom Brady. Exactly. There's exactly. your analogy. Like my my whole my whole logic between Washington is just because I think Penix is so good. And I think he just like kind of did like the like the Peyton Manning treatment like you know how Peyton Manning like he was so good he could cover up a lot of deficiencies on like his teams. I think that's what Michael Penix is. And maybe Michael Penix just wills them that you know, wills them to like ten and two again or like just a, a great season. Totally possible. I just I'm just not sold on them though. So I think it's, Washington it's, is a ten and two team. I think most of the a couple of those top Pac twelve teams do finish ten and two. I think the conference is just so deep. And last year you remember nobody could win on the road in the Pac twelve last year. For whatever mm-hmm. reason. Nobody could win on the road in those big matchups. And I think that's going to be a trend that you see again this year because the quarterback plays so good. They have some of the better defenses that they've had in recent years and around the country this year. Utah's always stout. Washington's going to be stout. Yeah. Oregon State won 10 games last year. They were a quarterback away for maybe contending for the whole Pac-12. You know, when you look at those things and what they bring back on paper, I think the Pac-12 just cannibalizes itself. And not that it's a bad thing. It's a deep conference. But I think it's going to keep them out of the playoff. So, no, so the, uh, that's fair. So the, win, the winner of that game would initially go to the Rose Bowl, which Rose Bowl, I believe, is a college football playoff it's a game. semifinal. Yeah, so yeah. they would go to the Cotton Bowl. And mm-hmm. that big, here's, here's the question. You, you, said, I, you said Ohio State, Wisconsin, Big Ten Championship, right? Yep. Okay. I forgot to ask you when we were talking about the SEC. Is it Georgia, Alabama, and the SEC title? I'll run you my conference championship game projections that we haven't talked about what? yet. So in the okay. SEC. Three, the three that we've talked about so far. It's a good, good segue. Good segue. Yeah. yeah. 
Alabama, Georgia is what I have for the SEC. The ACC, I have Clemson, Florida State, the Big 12, Texas, Oklahoma. Now, the Big 12 was a really tough one because I knew Texas, and I'm like, who else is going to be good in the Big 12? I don't think TCU replicates what they did a year ago. Kansas State's going to take a step back. Oklahoma's recruited well. It's their final season in the Big 12. Brett Venables is a good coach, but he's got to find his way. He's got to put his stamp on that program. I think Oklahoma's going to find a way to get there. Kansas doesn't make the jump. Kansas does not make the jump. Well, That's sad. I well, hate this, to see it. I know. No well, more this, rock chalk. Will this be like, well, out of all the conference championship games that we've talked to, we know we're going to get good on good with Alabama, Georgia. We're going to get probably nine and probably get nine and three, eleven and one, or twelve and zero. Ohio State, Wisconsin. Yep. Could we see a Big Twelve championship game? Because I don't think Oklahoma is going to be all that good. I really don't. I still see. I still say three to four losses. <laughs> But I also still think they. Yeah, I think they lose three or four games too. Yeah, but I still but, think they could get in that. Them and Oklahoma State are the two teams that I'm really look watching out for in the Big Twelve. Um, could it be where Texas is eleven and one or ten nine and ten and two going into that, and it's just the most out of the Power Five. It's just like, oh, Texas won the Big Twelve. Like it's it might be the most unintriguing. Power Five Conference Championship. Yeah, I don't think Texas is going to have to do much to win the conference this year. The game against Alabama will determine if they get to the playoff and if they get to be evaluated in that same grouping and breath as the Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, you know, maybe USC, Florida State, Clemson, if they get up into that air, if they can beat Alabama, because I think they drop a conference game. It's just what happens at Texas anymore. Can I make I'm, a hot? I'm, can I make a hot take I'm not real quick? Sold on Bama this year. Take do your hot take. This is going to be a good segue on why he's not sold on Bama because I think Quinn Ewers, Steve Sarkeesian goes into Tuscaloosa and beats Alabama, uh, and that's where because that's where everybody's going to, and this could be that game. Texas going to win could be the make or break of this Alabama team. But I also think, I still think Texas still finds a way to lose two games. They, that's just the reality of it. Like, um, it, I think Quinn, I think te- they almost did it last year in Austin. I think that's my hot take. I think Texas goes in that Tuscaloosa and beats Alabama. And that's yeah, when the response to this one. And that's where I think Milrow will become the starting quarterback. Right? That's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So Alabama's schedule, their toughest road game is Texas A&M. They get Texas, LSU, and Tennessee all at home. So I know the tide are down on paper, and they're going to have to break in a new starting quarterback, but it sets up nicely for them to win the West and potentially win the SEC because they're three of the four biggest games, and really their three biggest games are at home, and then Texas A&M is the fourth biggest game. That's on the road, so that's why it comes up, because Upset Alert just follows Alabama when they go to College Station. Because that game will find its way to be at night. Something will be weird in the atmosphere, and it'll be a close game. I still think I'm just, <clears throat> I still think Alabama just comes out of the West, by the way. Me too. I just don't. I mean, I'm, I'm just still not, so, I'm not sold on Bama, believe it or not. I just think. 
I think someone from the West, either LSU or, or Ole Miss, I, I think it's it might be changing the guard. And I know that sounds crazy. It's just you, you, you're beginning to see the cracks a little bit. Um, and, and with Bama, it's like, you know, I don't like they have. I don't think they have many great skill guys. Like it's not like I can pull a point on paper and be like, this is like their great skill guy on offense. I they're a bunch of no names, and that's I, weird for Bama. I, it's Kool Aid McKinstry, and like the defense will be solid, but it's Nick Saban. Like Milrow I, could be a stud. I but get. It's, there's I so get, many question marks. I definitely get what you're saying because. Devin, uh, Devontae Smith doesn't have any more years of eligibility. Jalen Waddle don't have any more years of ability. They, Jameer Gibbs is not, no longer there. Uh, Mac Jones, yeah. is, Mac Jones and Bryce Young aren't tossing the rock. It just feels weird. What, That's why I say Texas is going in there and beating them. And, and, and I'll say this too. It's like almost, it feels like almost Kirby Smart has, has figured out Nick Saban's game. Um, get the best recruits, get the biggest and fastest and strongest recruits. So Bama, Bama isn't even the most dominant at their game anymore. It feels like, and it also feels like too, like at, at times, like in, at least in the trenches, Michigan is right there too, with like that same style that, you know, um, Nick Saban was in point. It just, I don't get the same vibe from Bama that, you know, when we go, when, when captains go, go, go at midfield and like, I'll bring this up like in the 2020 national championship game, they put their guy out there. And then we put like tough Borland, I think it was. <laughs> and the guy, the guy was like two feet, yeah. two feet taller. And like, looked like, didn't even look human. Looked like a completely different species of like, of organism. And it's just, it, it like, I don't see the Derek Henry's and stuff walking through their doors unless they're, you know, they're keeping it really behind wraps. It's just, I don't know if they have the same type of player coming to Bama as, as were. As so, they were not saying Nick Saban can't coach around that, but it's just, they don't have the man childs. So real quick, Blake, you said Oklahoma, Texas, big 12, Ohio state, Wisconsin, big 10 ACC was Florida state, Clemson. Who was back 12 again? Washington, Oregon, Washington, Oregon. Okay. So now we've talked about all the conferences. Interesting enough. Dan had some takes off air about UTSA of course, Notre Dame's not in Power Five. I have some high hopes for Appalachian State, just because it's Appalachian State. Uh, Boise State could be another team. Who's that Power Five? Because we used to, hey, it's UCF and Cincinnati. But guess what? They're in the Big Twelve. Who are some Power Five teams that are going to get a Fiesta Bowl or or Sugar Bowl berth uh, or Orange Bowl berth? That you you don't have ranked in your top twenty five, or does well, that happen the, this year? Well, one team has to get them from the group of five, and I think UTSA is the favorite to do that. Their offense was very good last year. They play fast football. They're the Roadrunners. They live up to their to their nickname. Meet me. <laughs> yep, exactly. So I do think it'll be UTSA. I mean, maybe San Diego State or Boise State or Appalachian State. I don't know if they'll be strong enough to actually get to a New Year's Six game. But I think of those teams, because of the way the new conference alignment is, it has to be UTSA. They have a Maybe Toledo even. Yeah. I mean, Finn, Toledo, yeah, Daquan, Daquan Finn. Finn. Yeah, we saw that. Oh, boy. Yeah. I'm surprised I, he didn't I, enter the portal and go somewhere that he could. Like, I was too. Like, like yeah, I, I, I like UTSA. I like Appalachia State. I like, um, I like Toledo um, and San Diego State, which – 
the rumor has that San Diego State might end up being in the uh, in the Pac-12 eventually. But yeah, yeah. Can I ask I, you guys a quick question? Yeah. Heisman. This was where I struggled the most. Give me a short list for the Heisman. I couldn't do it. I'm looking at this. I know you have Caleb Williams on the list. I know you have Marvin Harrison Jr. You have Blake Quorum. You have Jordan Travis. When I'm looking at this Heisman Trophy, I think the race is wide open this year, and I just found myself putting the best players in the country on this list and trusting somebody to make enough plays or to be the big enough star to win the award. So you got like you got Marv, you got Quorum, Travis, Caleb Williams, Quinn Ewers, Michael Penix Jr. I How- think. I'll go first. Sorry, Dan, because you're your light bulb. Yeah. I could see your smoke fuming out of your ears. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm cooking. I'm cooking. Um, okay. The biggest question, Caleb Williams is probably the front runner, but I still don't think the voters are going to vote another two-time Heisman. But somebody yeah. has – He doesn't – he won't win it. Yeah, somebody has to emerge. I, I could see Marv winning it, but – uh, we talked about this. Emeka Buka is the number two wide receiver. He's going to get his this year. Yeah, I think if you come come November, I think the kid from Georgia, I, uh, the quarterback, Carson uh, Beck, Carson Beck will be a candidate just because Georgia okay. Georgia has a great shot at going undefeated again. He's got some competition where he. Dan and he's got competition where he think you know he could be in it. I also think Donovan Edwards over Blake Corum. I think Donovan Edwards' big playability is just through the That's roof. A good point. Um, Dan, Dan's going to be very proud of me just because I think this guy is going to put up so many big numbers this year, but he's not going to win it. Joe Milton. Right. I yeah, my boy. Let's go. <laughs> uh, I think Joe Milton. Obviously, Caleb Williams, and I'm, I, I know this is just biases in me, Marvin Harrison Jr., but I don't know who's going to win it. I really don't. And if Marv puts up the number, if Marv puts up the numbers, I mean puts up the numbers, he has a shot to win the Heisman, but Ohio State has to go undefeated. Has to go undefeated for him to win the Heisman. I also think that I, if Quinn Ewers is right there, if Texas beats Alabama, goes undefeated, yeah. Quinn Ewers without the mullet, and then I like Michael Penix. Those are my six or seven guys that I have, that have a really good shot. But I don't – again, it's July 18th. I don't know who's going to win. I really don't. So, I mean, Cash, you got some You got some good, good thoughts. Um, I'm going to try to answer this question, Blake, without – including Caleb Williams, um, Marv, Marv, or Joe Milton. So I'm just taking I'm, – I'm just – because those are the easy the, answers those, for me. Those are his top three. Just the, That's his those top are, three. Like, those, bro, I'm shirt. trying to think outside – yeah, I'm trying to think outside the box here. And I, I, and Cass kind of saw me cooking. Um, the one guy – and this is going to sound crazy, um, but I'm just going to entertain this thought um, – Cash, you mentioned mentioned like Carson Beck with Georgia. Um, I have to, I have a dude from Georgia who they might put up there 
Um, because mm-hmm. he actually might be the most outstanding player. And it's Brock Bowers. Brock and Bowers, absolutely. And, 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 and like, and, and like, look, you see t- in today, in the, at least in the NFL, mm-hmm. how important the tight end position is. Tight end, uh, if you use tight end correctly, it might be the most important position in, co- in, in football these days because it's they create the mass mismatch problems. Um, they can block, you know, factor in the run game. Uh, Brock Bauer does does everything though. He had over a hundred yards rushing last year too, over a thousand total yards from scrimmage. Um, and like it, it kind of felt like too at times Georgia's holding him back. This I don't think this season they're going to hold him back, and I don't think there's really a, a player in college football that can stop that man. Um, he's terrifying. It, it, so I I I, I, I could see him at least being a finalist, and that uh, Georgia's going to be there at the end of the day. They're going to send they're going to send the best player from their team. He's the best player from their team, even if their quarterback is great and everything. Uh, he I think they're going to give Brock Bowers the nod. Um, and then from there, I would say the 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 um, old Miss guy Judkins. Um, he's a stud. I think he could have a Darren McFadden type season um, for for Ole Miss, like what Darren McFadden did for Arkansas back in the day. I could see Judkins doing that. Um, and then my other, why am I drawing a blank? I had one more. Oh, for Michigan, I have Corum uh, or because I think Edwards is a stud and he's gonna eat into quorum this year and quorum was kind of banged obviously banged up it would probably be mccarthy for me if if that team up north is sending someone so i mean that's kind of my short list outside of joe milton caleb williams marv it would be judkins brock bowers jj mccarthy any jordan travis love for either of you guys oh i I like him i i I don't yeah i'm not sold on him though yeah i I, he's got to beat lsu he's got to beat lsu and And clemson twice yeah, he's like he's like a crappier version of Caleb Williams, and it's like if you have the real. Times better, so it's, I, he's in like in the same tier as Michael Penix, I would say. That's fair. Fair. Yeah, you guys want to do some playoff picks? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Cass, you're batting leadoff. Wow, you put me on a spot. <laughs> I'm playing. I'll go. I have mine here. No, you guys can think. No, you're good. I could go. Ohio State, number four. <sighs> not well, not number four, but I'm just saying Ohio State oh. because they. It's gonna be. They're gonna be two or four. How about that? Michigan, okay. two or four. Texas, no, they're at number five. <laughs> I just them and Penn State are five and six. I think if Texas beats Alabama, but finds still finds a way to lose a game, it's going to be a really bad loss, and it could be an instance where, like Kansas, yeah, it it could be Kansas. But you know, I still don't think they could beat. They'd be have to beat Oklahoma twice, and they're not beating them fifty nine nothing like Ohio State did to Wisconsin. So that three spot is interesting to me because I just I'm only doing this because of matchups. But I've got Alabama in there, just because even though I have them losing, they're going to beat Georgia. So it's going to be Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama. All one loss teams. Well, I Maybe. guess we'll Maybe. take the dramatics out of this, Cass. 
maybe. I agree with you. <laughs> I've got the same. I have the same four teams. They're what I like. I said at the beginning of at the top of the show. I trust those that pool of five teams the most. I trust these four out of the five the most, and so I think that these are my teams to get to the playoff. I think the Big Ten East is very good, definitely worthy of two teams, and. All this talk we had about Alabama. Now, Dan, I know you're going to refute all of my words here and as we <laughs> begin to speak. All of this hate and this rat poison, as Nick Saban affectionately calls it. Alabama hears that. Alabama knows that. Alabama saw what happened last year. They felt slighted. Alabama's coming. Alabama might lose one game to Texas A&M or to LSU or to Tennessee, but Alabama's going to win the SEC. Georgia's going to be undefeated when they play them. They're both going to be one-loss teams into the playoff, and Ohio State and Michigan both get in again. Uh, let me let me back up here for a second. Um, I'm going to go and re- completely rewind and do this same four, but I'm going Ohio State number one because I'm biased and I think they're going to go undefeated, and um, I'm going to have you know I think this could be interesting, and, and the SEC fans are going to flip biscuits here. I think Michigan is number two, just Whoa. because they're going to run the table, and they're going to, their only loss is going to be a clo- is going to be a loss to Ohio State at home. Two thousand six calls. Yeah, I think Alabama will be three because they they lost to Texas, but they beat Georgia. Yep. And since Georgia is going to be number one from coast to uh, from coast to coast until the final, they're going to be that number four team, and this time. Ryan Day makes Kirby Smart fly to Pasadena and Ohio State beats Georgia in Pasadena. But I also yeah. think we get a 2020 rematch against Alabama in the national championship because Jim Harbaugh hey. in the playoffs shows up. Cass is copying off my homework. I have the same national championship. I've got Alabama-Michigan in the one semifinal and Ohio State-Georgia in the other semifinal. So I got... Then, then there's Dan. <laughs> you will not see Alabama on this list. Spoiler alert to all of you they, listeners out they're there. They're not. They're not, actually. They, I, 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 made a, I, made faces. I made a change at the end, and it, I don't I don't love it, but I'm, I'm rashly going through this. I looked at the schedules, and I made this last change. The, the last team in, um, uh, one, I, all, all, our lists are actually all kind of the same. I Georgia one, clear-cut one. Um, I have Michigan two. Giving them the benefit of the doubt because how how last year happened. Ohio State three. Um, yes, I am predicting uh, they will. We'll, we'll get the rematch in the semifinal somehow. I think it, it will play out that way. The the college football playoff they shied away from it last year. I think we will get that. I think they will give the people what they deserve finally, um, and it will it, that will happen. Uh, I, I will say this at six. I have Tennessee. Um, I, I had them at four, but I did drop them now, and I actually swapped them out. At five, I have Penn State. Um, that's just going to – because, you know, James Franklin, he's going to um, – you know what's going to happen there. Um, yeah. The stories yeah. write themselves in Happy Valley. <laughs> Penn State will be the number one ranked team, and then they'll lose the next game to, like, Iowa or something. Um, no. <laughs> my, my fourth team, and I'm looking at the strength of schedule, call me a madman. Um, I think they get in because – when, when you think about it, they got the brand, they got the quarterback now. I think they got the recruiting. I think they got they got a running back. Um, Notre Dame 
and I know you're going to call me crazy. I, I you know, Everyone knows how much I hate Notre Dame. Even if, you know, they lose to Ohio State, they're still, I think, going 11-1 and because the hardest game's on their schedule. Clemson, which I think they're better than Clemson. I think I think that's a fair take. Um, last year. They did, and I, I, I think, you know, the way they're trending, um, I mean, it's really Ohio State, USC and Clemson. Um, I, I, I think though Notre Dame is positioned to really shock the world and, and be be a top four team um, and make the playoff. Because think about it, they are eleven and one. They're in. You're in, and they're not even playing conference championship weekend. And they have like their strength of schedules in the twenties. Um, so it's they have a lot of opportunities. They can slip up once, even if they play Ohio State close and lose. Like they, they're going to get the benefit, every benefit of the doubt. Forget about Alabama. Alabama has a brutal schedule, just like Tennessee does, and they're going to have to play Georgia at one point. Um, And that's why I put I I knocked Tennessee out was just because the schedule. I think they are top four team, but the if you get two losses, you're out. And I think just looking at it, Notre Dame has the advantage of not playing in the conference championship versus Tennessee and Bama. They either have to play in the SEC championship or they have to go through Georgia. So that's my logic. So you have. Okay, so you have Ohio State losing to Michigan in a regular season? It, 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 you could flip them. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I, this is, I like your scenario, Dan. I really do. And I'm, I'm sure, just looking at how the scenario I, would play out. I, I, I really do. Like, I really like your scenario here because this would be better icing on the cake and get. Ryan and get Buckeye Nation off of Ryan Day and get Buckeye Nation, you know, trash talking the Michigan fans again. Because Dan and I were hanging out a couple of times and we see people with Michigan shirts and it, it's just like it sucks that we can't talk, you know, talk trash. I mean, how yeah. would how, how would this be? So, so it would be so, so Penn State twice. Penn State Penn State would beat Michigan. Penn State would be ranked. Penn State's gonna screw it up as usual. Um, Georgia, you know, run the table, clear cut number one. Uh, Ohio State goes eleven and zero. They beat Notre Dame close one, eleven and zero. They lose to Michigan. Michigan's eleven and one, but then they win the Big Ten. Ohio State's eleven and one with one loss to Michigan, and then Notre Dame, and then the rest, rest of it, you know, they're gonna, the rest of it's gonna cannibalize itself, like Pac twelve cannibalism. I think Texas is gonna lose at least two. Uh, Bama's a, Bama won't be Bama. Tennessee will lose to Georgia at least, and they will be left out. So it will be literally Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and then Notre Dame squeaks in because they eleven and one. That's my logic. I don't know if I could fathom losing to that team up north. Even though I'd love to see us beat them in the regular season, I think that or or I could see them or know what they would do. The committee they might. I mean they they might be scared then and flip it. Notre Dame, we will get Michigan Notre Dame, the rivalry there in the playoff, which would be a great game. That would actually be a really fun one. And then Ohio State Georgia rematch for the real national championship. And then winner plays in the Natty. I like your fun. I, I, I like the scenario where Ohio State beats Michigan and maybe loses it. And may you could see this, though. You could still see that 2-3 matchup because of Ohio State's strike the schedule. They could either lose yeah. to Notre Dame. I mean, let's say let's say if Notre Dame beats
beats Ohio State but loses to USC, but USC has those two losses, you, Notre Dame would still get that four spot. Ohio State has that loss against Notre Dame, but they beat Michigan. They get the rematch against Michigan, and they knock off the Wolverines again. And that way, people can, in Ann Arbor can shut up about Ohio State losing twice, mm-hmm. Ryan Day losing twice to Michigan because he would be 3-2 and two against Michigan. It'd be great. It'd be beautiful. Yeah, it would. And if Ohio State beats Notre Dame, that non-conference win is going to carry so much weight in the strength of schedule discussion mm-hmm. and in the playoff discussion, too, toward the end of the season. Will that jump them to two in the preseason polls when those preseason polls come out? It, say if they go to South Bend, it's already week four. They've already blown out everybody. They go in, win by maybe, let's say, by 10 points against Notre Dame. Notre Dame's top 10 team. That could jump them to two in the polls, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it could. It just depends on how they evaluate. You know, those uh, the writers have uh, really interesting right. ways of of thinking and perceiving the game. But I think it would be deserving to be two. I don't think there's a way to get it to one because that's Georgia's until they lose. And it is unanimous. Ohio State's walking out with the natty, right? Absolutely. Lock no it doubt. down. Oh, we don't. Lock it down. Oh, H. Get, get, your, get, your, get yourself as ready to burn. What are you guys from Philly now? <laughs> <laughs> they brought everything in this city. It's ridiculous. That. After we beat Michigan State in 2014, High Street, mm-hmm. High Street, there was so many sofas burned that day. I don't know why. That's crazy. Hey, hey asked our boy Jamie Sumner. He knows all about those 90s with the burnt couches, losing and winning against Michigan. So, absolutely, but. I mean, Blake, that really does it. Thank you so much. An article getting dropped in, you know, I believe Thursday morning. Uh, we'll have this. We'll have this up tomorrow. But as always, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Bunch of Nuts podcast. And go Bucks.